Western Hills. We're glad you're here to worship with us this morning. Invite you to stand and let's sing together. Western Hills. 
Uh, if you haven't had a chance to meet this incredible woman right here, this is Karen Manor. She is... She's something. Good morning, Western Hills. Thank you for that pause. <laughs> you guys felt like you had to fill it. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here because this is a really special day because this is called Ground Floor Church Day when we get to get in on the life of some little ones and start early being a part of their families and praying for them. So we have some children and some parents that we're going to dedicate this morning. So would you guys all come up? This is Riley Ann Rose Butler, and her parents are Carla and Ryan. Brothers and sisters are Maddie, Jonathan, Chris, and Miranda, who helps out in kids' ministry. So we're glad she could be here with us this morning. Riley's birthday is January the 26th, 2018, and today, on this very day, she is four years, eight months, and 13 days old. <laughs> today, she will never be that age again. So we are in this moment with her, and we have the privilege of being in this one moment in time with this child. Riley's name means brave and fearless, and to that I say amen, because I know her, and I know that she is brave and fearless. The scripture her parents chose is this one. It's from the book of Mark. He took a little child whom he placed among them, Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. So Riley, at the age of four years, eight months and 13 days, is in the why phase. Why is that? How does that work? Do goldfish have elbows? She's asking all kinds of questions and I personally know that she's learning lots of new words and likes to share them with us in kids ministry. In fact, right now, her word is, no, I don't want to be in here. I want to be in my class. So that's a good, good commercial for kids' ministry. So thank you for that, Riley. So in the phase of why, Riley might be asking the question, am I okay? So we, as a church family, support her parents as they assure her that even when she makes mistakes, she is loved by them and by her church family, we who are God's people. And by this, we show her how to love like Jesus. Riley's growing in leaps and bounds in every way I can think of in the love and comfort of her new forever family. Okay. So. You ready to get back to your room? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're tired. Yes. That's right. Your name is Riley Butler because it is now official, right? I want to go in the room. I know you want to go in the room. Okay, so let's get this done. Okay, Riley, my fault, my fault. She has spoken. Okay, so here's the deal. This is not really about Riley's decision. Now, we, we know her heart and we're, we're counting on eventually she's, she's, she's going to drag us along with her faith journey. I mean, we know her this way. But this is really about what you two guys have been doing all this long journey about wanting to raise your family in the context and where Jesus is center, where Jesus is the main voice. And so this is really about you. You guys have modeled 
uh, for us, Deuteronomy 6, which is the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And repeat this to your children. Talk about it when you sit in your house, when you walk on the road, when you get down, when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Let them be a symbol on your forehead. Don't worry, Riley, we're not gonna put this on your forehead. <laughs> Write them on your doorpost. You guys have lived out the reality of Jesus in your home and to us. And Riley's gonna see that and she has seen that and she responds to that. So I'm gonna ask you some questions and you've already answered this with we have and we do, but we're gonna go through this anyway. Uh, do you today recognize her as a gift from God? Uh, do you dedicate yourselves to raising her in a way that points her to Jesus? Do you pledge to pray for God on behalf of her as she grows and develops? And do you promise to set a Christ-following example before her as she grows up? Okay. Listen, we're not off the hook either. So here's the question for us, okay? And I'm going to ask this, and if this is your heart's cry and this is something you want to be a part of, then you have to respond. And I'm not letting you off the hook by just going, amen. You're going to have to stand up. So here's the part for us. Do we promise to pray for mom and dad? Do we promise to pray for Riley? Do we promise to be a good example on how to follow Christ, promise to serve them and with them in God-honoring ways? And if you do, I want you to stand up. So if you ever felt like you're alone in parenting, and you have, and you will, this is a crucial reminder to you that you are not alone. You are never alone at Western Hills. Let me pray for us. Father, we pray for the Butler family, Riley and Butler, that you will meet them as they have made these promises and we have too, that you would empower them and bless them, that you would grow Riley up strong, that you would continue to make parents godly parents, and that we as a congregation would remain faithful to our promises as well. Thank you for this gift the gift of Riley Ann and the gift of the Butler family and their new life and adventure in front of them. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, you know who you are. I'm still right here? Okay, I'm gonna start over here with this little guy. And this is Cohen David Swearingen. His parents are Jessa and Colin, and his birthday is May 6, 2022. On this day, he is five days and three, five months and three days old, and he will never again be five months and three days old. So today, in this moment, we get to be in his life. His verse that his parents picked is in Ephesians. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resource, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Cohen's name means priest. He is in the I need you now phase. 
One question he may be asking his parents is, am I safe? Or another way to say that, is my every wish your command? And the resounding answer to that is yes. <laughs> and we want to support mom and dad as they reassure, reassure him and embrace his physical needs. We want them to see that God's people are also making him safe. We hope to incite wonder in the world around him so that he can begin to learn of God's love and meet God's people. This is Cohen. All right, now that Isaac is comfortable, this is gonna work great. Whatever they do, I told them this church loves children. Whatever they do, we're all okay with it, right? So this is Jack. This is, oh, there's Jack. I thought there for a minute Jack looked a lot like Cohen. Jack, this is Jack Allen Bryan, and his parents are Kate and Luke. He was born on May the 11th, 2018. On this very day, he is four years, four months, and 28 days old. And in this moment, we are here when he will never be the same age again. The verse his parents picked for him is in the book of Philippians. It is, let your gentleness be evident to all. And I see that in you, Jack. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jack, your name means merciful and gracious. And that's a good thing to have as the big brother. So Jack here in the phase of why? Everything is why and how and how does that work? And he might have all kinds of questions like, mom, how does the son wake up in the morning? Does his mom wake him up? And he might in this stage need to ask the question, am I okay? And we support his parents as they let him know that even when he makes mistakes, he is loved by them and by God's people. This is Jack. All right, big brother. Now this right here, that's for you, Jack. Told you I wrapped it. This is Isaac. Turn Isaac up. Edward Bryan. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. His parents are also Kate and Luke, and he is, he was born December 30th, 2019, on this day, two years, nine mighty months and nine days old. And the scripture his parents picked for him is, even youths grow tired or weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Isaac, your name means one who laughs or rejoices. I'm two years old, and he's two years old. He is in the I can do it phase. So one question he might be asking his parents is, am I able? So we as a church want to support parents as they guide him to grow and champion all the things that he can do. We want to incite wonder in this little guy so he learns about God and God's people. This is Isaac. You guys are doing such a good job, and mom and dad, aren't you so impressed how they picked a different scripture for each boy? That's how parents, parents that know their kid. Last, but certainly not least, and my future pick for the best friend for Cohen, 
is Henry Wesley Bryan, Kate and Luke's littlest guy. He was born March 14th, 2022. On this day, he's six months and 25 days old. And here we are in the day, that the only day he'll be six months and 25 days old. Parents picked for him a scripture in Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Henry's name means house ruler <laughs> or Lord. And he is in the I need you now phase. And one question he may be asking is, am I safe? And do you understand that I am indeed Lord of this house? And of course, their resounding answer is yes. And we want to support mom and dad as they reassure him and embrace his physical needs. And as he grows, we want him to see that the people of God love him. And that's how he'll learn about Jesus. This is Henry. All right. Okay, now that we have the gifts, I realize they have not paying attention to anything I'm saying, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, I just want to steal your guys' hearts for just a second. Uh, we call this child dedication, but it, it, it's really not. What this is really about is what y'all have decided as parents. And that is you have decided that you want to raise all these boys <laughs> with Jesus, the, the, the carpenter in the middle of it, right? We want... We want to raise this family. We want, to, we want to raise these kids with Jesus in the middle of all this. And we want to do it in a way that honors them. The Jews had a thing called the Shema, and it's in Deuteronomy 6. And this is what kind of guided their parenting. And it said this, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Well, the question is, okay, well, how do we do that? How do we get this stuff in our kids' hearts, in our own hearts? And the, and the scriptures keep talking, saying, well, repeat it to your children. Talk about it when you run up and down the aisles. <coughs> Talk about it when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house. The idea is, is that you live out the reality of Jesus with every single experience. The good ones, the not so good ones. Uh, the days where your kids get to see you be a hero, and then the days when you'll have to take the walk of shame as a parent and repent and ask forgiveness. Yes. So we're going to ask you guys some questions. Yes. <coughs> Is it your intention to recognize these guys as a gift of the Lord? And do you dedicate yourself to raising your kid in a way that points them to Jesus? Do you pledge to pray to God on behalf of your kid as they grow and develop? And do you promise to set a Christ-following example before them as they grow up? Okay. Church, we are not off the hook. We are on the hook as well. And I'm going to ask you some questions. And if this is your desire to be a part of this journey with them, you don't get to just say, I do, or we do. I'm going to ask you to actually stand up because I need them to see something. So here's the questions for us. Do we promise to pray for these parents? Yes. Do we promise to laugh and cry with them? Yes. Uh, do we promise to serve them and serve with them? Yes. And do we promise to follow Christ setting an example for them? Yes. Okay. So here's the deal. You see this? 
There are days you've already experienced where you feel like you're parenting alone. Not at Western Hills. Not at Western Hills. You do not parent alone. You can run to any of these houses and drop your kids off any <laughs> afternoon and just say, I'm done. Okay? Your mileage may vary, but uh, this is what it means to be a part of the family. Okay? Let me pray for us. Father, we love you, and we pray for these families. We pray for the Bryans and the Sarangens, that you will meet them where they are as they have made these promises and walk with them where they go, that you would empower them and bless them, that you'd grow them up strong, you'd make them godly, and that us as a congregation, we would remain faithful to our promises as well. Thank you for these gifts, the laughter, the rambunctiousness, the questions, and the adventure of parenting. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
hallelujah together this morning. I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I'll raise a
Well, a good roll tide to you this morning. Roll tide. Roll tide. What about Ema? Any Ema? And how about them Jayhawks? It's a hard, it was a hard day, wasn't it? Uh, basketball is coming. I do kind of want to take a little bit of a pause here um, because um, we often do a great time of celebrating with each other and celebrating on Sunday mornings when it's good. Uh, but we have a few folks that are not, uh, that are not worshiping with us this morning because uh, we had tragedy hit kind of close to home uh, for some of us with uh, two Third, uh, one third grader and two fourth graders that died in a car accident on the turnpike this weekend. Uh, and they were from our community, Jay Shidler and Farley Elementary School kids. And we have teachers that had those kids and know those kids. And so this is a really hard day. Uh, this is a day where uh, it's, it's hard to sing words, he is alive. It's hard to sing words like that. Uh, and so many times we're really good in church about putting the mask on and, and saying everything's great. Uh, but I wanted to kind of pause just, just for a second this morning. And I wanted to read something out of Psalm 6. Um, one thing I love about the scriptures, particularly the older I get, what I love about the scriptures is some of those raw moments where, um, you, where God enters these raw moments. And it, it comforts me to know that God is not afraid to enter some of these spaces that so many times we are afraid to enter. Psalm 6 reads like this, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger and do not discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord. And you think, well, why would, this, why would the psalmist write those words? Well, we're about to hear the why he would write these words. And the why is because of this, um, because I am weak and heal me, my bones are shaking. My whole being is shaken with terror. And you, Lord, how long? In other words, don't be angry with me, God, but I want to know how long do I have to sit in this place of torment, in this place of darkness? Rescue me, save me because of your faithful love. For there is no remembrance of you in death. Who can thank you and show I am weary from my groaning? With my tears, I dampen my bed and drench my couch every night, and my eyes are swollen from grief. And we have folks in our family that are living Psalm 6 right now. And I just want to say to those of us who aren't in Psalm 6, but maybe we've been in Psalm 6, or maybe we will be in Psalm 6 is that these aren't moments to fix. These are moments to wade into and to sit. So that's what I want us to do for just, just a second this morning and pray for these families. Pray for those who know Jesus who get to walk alongside these families, that they would experience his presence. So would you do that with me? Father, we come with that same humbleness of do not rebuke me in your anger, but how long? Father, that is the question. How long 
do we sit in these places? So Father, I pray specifically for moms and dads who grieve in a way that they think is never going to end. I pray for grandparents and friends who don't understand, who have very real questions, very real hurts. I pray for the experience of your presence. And even we know that your presence doesn't always answer all the questions. But I also know that your presence heals. So Father, we lift these families up to you and ask that they have an encounter with you. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to week two of the big trip. This is uh, kind of uh, me taking you through the same journey that Amy and I got to go on this summer on our trip to Israel. And we want you to be a part of that. So you can ask questions, you can interact. The best way to do that is to use the QR code on the screens. You can scan that. It will take you to a place where you can text in your question or you can text Western Hills 098 to 22333. Uh, You can do that, and we will get to those questions here in just a few moments. Uh, We're going to go through four sites today. We're going to hit it at a pretty quick pace. And this is typically what the day looked like for us on our trip. We would get up, get on the bus by 7.30 or 7.35, because there's always that couple on every trip, right? That just kind of is like, okay, come on, come on. We had that couple. It wasn't us, by the way. Uh, So anyway, we would get out the door. We'd hit the, we'd do two sites in the morning, oftentimes before lunch. We'd have a great lunch. We'd do two sites after lunch. We'd do dinner, and then we'd kind of get together and talk about what we experienced that day at night. And this was a typical day for us. Last week, uh, we were in Dan, and that is the northernmost part of Israel. And so get on a bus, and we take a 33-mile journey south, going to the north end of the Sea of Galilee, to a little town called Chorazin, or in Hebrew, Chorazim. Now, in this is located on the north side. Jesus spent the majority of his adult life in this region. There are about four, five, six towns, and you've heard some of these names, Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum, Magdala, where Mary Magdalene is from, okay? So all of these towns are like five, six, seven miles from each other. You can get there in like, you know, half day walk, real easy, okay? Nazareth, where Jesus grew up, is just 22 miles from Chorazin. So all of the disciples, well, not all, we know for sure that eight of the 12 disciples were from the north side of the Sea of Galilee. We, we know this for sure. We know that Jesus spent the, the majority of his time here. Uh, and so, and we know this, that in Matthew 11, Jesus says this about these cities. Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most, oh, I, just wanna, I just want you to key in on this. Denounced the towns in which most, most of his miracles had been performed. So the most of Jesus' miracles had been performed in this region, in the Sea of Galilee region. And this is what he says, up to these cities because they did not repent. Woe to you, 
Chorazin. Hey, we've been there. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Hey, I've been there. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. Now, in case you don't know, the city of Tyre is in Lebanon. The eternal enemies of Israel. Sidon was a Phoenician city. It also was eternal enemies of Israel. These are places where human trafficking regularly took place under the guise of religious worship. These would be places where they would sacrifice all kinds of animals and some archaeologists think that even human sacrifice took place in these places. These are vile, corrupt cities. And, and, and Jesus says <laughs> that it is going to be more bearable for them on the day of judgment than Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum. Capernaum has a special place in Jesus' heart, you'll see here. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No. You will go down to, can you believe Jesus taught like this? He did. You can go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, that would have been a city that you should know, Sodom, right? If the same miracles had been performed in Sodom, Sodom would, be, would have remained to this day. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom than on the day of judgment for you. Now what? This is a really hot take by Jesus, okay? And Jesus is not a hot, he, he's not a hot take person, right? He, he doesn't fly off the handle. These are measured words by Jesus. And what's fascinating about this is that these cities, Chorazin, Capernaum, Bethsaida, these would have been cities that we would have been comfortable in. They were conservative, Jewish, traditional, small town cities. These were small towns. This was not big city highfalutin folks. <laughs> These were our kind of Midwest peoples. And they rejected Jesus. It's fascinating. And Jesus has some harsh words for them. They rejected the, the witness that they saw. So let me just kind of walk you through some of these cities. Uh, so this is Corzine that you're going to get to see here. And um, almost every city that we went through was built like this. You had a bunch of pile of rocks and then, you know, you get back to your hotel room that night and you go, oh, well, that's a pile of rocks. Oh, what's this pile of rocks from? Well, I don't know. It looks a lot like the pile of rocks that we saw the day before. And so, okay, well, that pile of rocks, okay, well, I think this pile of rocks is in Chorazin. And so anyway, this is what most of the cities look like. You would have a synagogue right there, right? You have your little synagogue there. And then you'd have a marketplace, and then you'd have a, a little common area, and then you'd have houses. And this is how all these cities were built. Most of them were fairly small. Uh, and this is just how all these cities work. All of the stuff that we're going to talk about today, by the way, this is why the timeline is up there. All the stuff that we're talking about today happened during the time of Jesus's public ministry, which is around 29 to 32, 33 AD, give or take a year either side. 
We know that Jesus, this was his public ministry. Jesus spent the first two years, probably 29 to 30, maybe 29 to 31 AD, predominantly in the Galilee region, in Capernaum, living with Peter in his house. And we know that the last year of Jesus's life, he spent mostly in Jerusalem, going back and forth. So all that we're talking about today happens during Jesus's time. And in Chorazin, we kind of walked through the city and we got to the end of the city and we had this view. This was a gorgeous view. So this is the valley that you can see in Chorazin and you can see the Sea of Galilee off in the, in the distance. That's the Sea of Galilee over there. It's five miles away. If you notice on the left-hand side here in the middle of this grove, there's a path and that would have been the ancient path that they would have walked from Chorazin all the way down to Capernaum, to the coast. So it's pretty, pretty sure, pretty confident that Jesus and the disciples walked that very path between Capernaum and Chorazin. And this was one of the God moments for me. Uh, this was kind of one of those ping moments that I had. Uh, this, this is the context in which Jesus taught all of those parables. He's walking in places like this and he goes, oh, look, there's a mustard tree. The parable, hey, the kingdom of God is like this. If you have the faith of a mustard seed. The, the kingdom of God is like a vineyard owner. There's a vineyard. It's like the owner of this vineyard. The, the, the kingdom of God, and as I'm sitting here standing, uh, one of the pastors on the trip with us, it was actually Joe Hishma uh, uh, over at Fellowship, he says, do you see it? And I went, <laughs> like I don't. <laughs> like I have no idea. He goes, it's all there. And I go, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. He goes, the parable of the soils. I go, oh. Jesus in Matthew chapter 13 tells us that as they are on their way, he tells them the parable of the farmer who went to sow seeds. And as he sowed some seed, on the path, the path was so hard that the seed just hit the path and bounced off and the birds came and snatched it. But some of the seed hit the rocky soil. And since the rocky soil didn't have any roots, it spread out quickly and the wind blew it away. But some of the seed hit thorny soil and the seed would, would grow. But since there were also weeds and thorns in competition with the with the with the seed, it choked, it stole the same nutrients, it choked, out the, it choked out the fruit so it couldn't produce any fruit. But some of the seed hit good soil, hit good soil, that olive grove there, it hit good soil and it produced fruit 160, 30 times what they thought they were gonna get. And it hit me, this is not a parable about soils and farming, this is a parable about the human heart. And this is why Jesus, this is why Jesus says, uh, this is what Jesus says about these cities, about, about them rejecting him, that their hearts had been so hard, right? That their hearts had been hard and that some of them had been thorny and some of them had been rocky. 
And so here's Jesus kind of telling them, here's, just like these soils, just like this thing, they're standing right next to each other. They're right next to each other. Like it's really hard sometimes to tell what's good soil and what's bad soil and what's rocky soil, right? Sometimes it's really hard to tell what it is because they're right next to each other. And I think the parable had two points. And the one point is, so as a farmer, your job is just to sow seed. But the other point of the parable was this, was, be careful to take care of your soil. Be careful to make sure your soil is soft and receptive to Jesus. Because the shallower you get, the harder you get, the more you're going to miss Jesus. So this was one of those moments, this was like a God moment for me where I'm just kind of, ah, man, it's all there. It's all there. Our next stop was Capernaum. It's five miles away. It's just right down that path. And of course, this, uh, this little journey in Capernaum, this would have where Jesus and Peter lived uh, for a couple of years. And this picture right here is the synagogue in which uh, Jesus and Peter would have gone to every Sabbath and taught. Okay, not exactly. Uh, this synagogue was built around 400 AD. Uh, the synagogue that Jesus and Peter went to is underneath this one because <laughs> they just build on top of things, right? Uh, here's the cool thing about Capernaum is that they have, uh, you, you, you see, go to the next slide. So like I said, this looks a lot like the rocks in Corazine, right? I mean, it's like, oh, more rocks. Okay. But you notice how it like, looks like the general contractor was on drugs the day they built this thing, right? It's just like, what are they doing building all this thing, right? This, this is really fascinating. Go to the next slide. I want to show you this. This is how they would build. These are homes. All of these are homes that have all these rooms on it. And this church is built over Peter's home that has many rooms in it. So you can look inside this church. As a matter of fact, we have another picture here. This is the glass Floor, you can look into the, the inside of where Jesus slept and Peter slept, right? So this is kind of cool. And, and notice the nun in the back. You do not want to mess with her. She's very, she takes her job very seriously. Uh, we learn that most nuns in the Holy Land, in churches in the Holy Land, do not have a sense of humor. We, we learned this on the trip. Uh, we, we learned that also they don't enjoy laughter at all. So those nuns that make it to heaven are going to be shocked. So anyway, so anyway, this is inside Peter's church. And then uh, let's go to the next. <laughs> let's go one more. So here's, here's what hit me as I'm watching this. This is kind of another God moment. So this is how it would happen. The Jewish father would have sons. Those sons would get married. And then when they get married, he would build them a room for them. And then that son would build a room for his family because in the father's house, there are many rooms. Okay, all right. Right? Jesus is, is telling his disciples as he's about to leave the earth, he goes, listen, he uses, a, he uses an image, he uses a metaphor that they absolutely understood. They absolutely knew exactly what Jesus was talking about when he says, listen, in my father's house, there's many rooms and I'm going to prepare a room for you because you're my kid. You're my kid. 
And it just kind of hit me in this moment of how much we underestimate God's love for us. I think generally speaking, we completely underestimate God's love for us. And, I, and I'm not, I think I kind of know the reasons why. Uh, I think some of the reasons is, is that there's just so much noise around us sometimes, right? There's just so much noise and we can't tune in and listen to that. We can't tune in and listen to God's voice so many times. There's just so much noise around us. Sometimes it's because we've learned and we've seen how the world loves and we think, okay, well, God's love's just a little bit better than that. No, God's love is completely different than that. Or some of us may think, well, God is holy and I'm not holy. So therefore God must be in this state of perpetual anger at me. So I have to I have to stay on this treadmill of doing all this good stuff so that God's anger doesn't get to me. And yet when we read the New Testament and we listen to the words of Jesus, particularly in this kind of context, the pictures and the images that Jesus gives, it's just the exact opposite of that. You know, we hear Jesus talk about, okay, the, father is, the Father's love is like, is like the widow who lost a coin. And she stayed up all night looking for this for the, it's, it's one coin. What's the big deal? No, 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 no. This coin, this coin is everything or one sheep. It's one sheep. It's one out of 99. What's the big deal? We got nine. No, 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 no. No, the father is like going after that one sheep. He makes sure the 99 are okay. And he goes after, or, or the, the, right? Or when you pray, when you talk to God, you don't use big words. You talk to him as if he's your daddy, Abba. Or, or, or the father in the prodigal son story, right? We, we, Jesus gives all of these images to us so that we'll never ever have to question God's love for us. In my father's house, there are many rooms and I'm going to prepare a room for you, for you. And if it wasn't so, I, I wouldn't have told you this powerful image of the love of God. Okay, we got two more places and then, I, oh, I got one more thing. I almost did this during show-up dedication. I'm kind of glad I didn't. This is a millstone. Um, and there's a lot of these found in Capernaum. They think that maybe that uh, there was a millstone manufacturer there or, or a market there. And so I just thought that was kind of cool. It's just yards away from the Sea of Galilee. And I was reminded of Jesus's words in Matthew 18 of, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it'd be better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and jump in the Sea of Galilee. And so there, it was probably good I didn't do it for child dedication. Okay, um, two more stops and then we'll go on. Uh, the, the, when you travel in uh, Israel, particularly around the Sea of Galilee, there's all of these little uh, churches or these little places of this, this is where Jesus fed the 5,000 and this is where the Sermon on the Mount is and, and, and this is where Jesus cooked breakfast for, for Peter after the resurrection. And, and so you have all these places and you're like, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe. But we did find one place, it's called Mount Aram and um, there's nothing up there. And I think this, this view, whew, we spent some time up here remembering Jesus's words to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. And this comes out of Matthew 28 and Acts chapter two. But from this point, you can see right here is Magdala up here at the north where the little, 
little waters coming in is Capernaum and around there is Bethsaida and there's Kyrgyzstan. You can see all these little cities. And I can just hear the voice of Jesus in this spot as, as the disciples are up on this mountain because we're told it was up on a mountain and he begins to tell his disciples, listen, I'm going to my father, but you, I'm leaving you with the mission. I'm leaving you with the mission to go and make disciples and you're going to baptize them and teach them all the stuff that I've told you to do. All right? And anyway, he says, and I will be with you forever and ever. And the Greek adds another little phrase that basically means, and the day after that. <laughs> and I know we don't have this in the text, but I kind of think Jesus, I kind of think Jesus said something along the lines of this, which was this. I was with you here, all right? I was with you where I did most of my miracles, where most of my ministry, I was with you here. And here's what's fascinating. From here, not only can you see all of the successes, but you can also see, the Sea of Galilee is not just the sea where Jesus and Peter walked on water, it's also the sea where Peter almost drowned, and where, the, where the, the boat that the disciples were in almost sank because of the storm. And where he fed the 5,000, where at first they were like, there's no way this could possibly happen. So there's these successes and these failures. And I think Jesus was trying to tell them, listen, there's a redemptive thread in every single event that happens in your life. And I wanna use every single thing in your life, the wins and the losses, the successes and the failures, for my redemptive purpose for the world. And I modeled that for you while I was on the earth here. And if you were to turn around from this spot, you could see the Via Maris. You could see the Jezreel Valley that falls that follows all the way around and goes into Jerusalem. And all the way to the north, it goes to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You can see all of that from that point. And I can just hear Jesus say, just like I was with you there, I'm gonna be with you when you go to Jerusalem and when you go to Judea. And when you go to Samaria and when you go to the othermost ends of the park, there's never going to be a spot where I'm not going to be with you. Powerful, powerful moment. One last powerful moment for me on the trip. Uh, we went down <laughs> further south. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is 13 miles long, eight miles wide at its widest point. So we went to the very southern portion of the Sea of Galilee uh, to a place where it's its deepest and widest today. And this was a place where we did baptisms. And a uh, cool moment for me, I got to baptize June's son. Um, this is June and son and Wade, and I think we've got some video here. Um, so I got to baptize her in the Jordan River. This is great. Uh, she got to tell her testimony before she got dunked. Uh, and it was kind of really, kind of caught me off guard when she gave her testimony because she kind of told the group, uh, Grant married me, he's gonna baptize me, and he's gonna bury me. And I was like, today? <laughs> like, you, like well, not anytime soon? Like, it's not on the calendar, is it? Uh, anyway, so, but this was kind of just a cool moment for us. Uh, this was just great. Uh, not only did we get to baptize June's son, uh, but I got baptized in the Jordan River. Um, I, I got baptized in the Jordan River. When we found out we were going on the trip, I was telling a, very, a group of very close friends of mine, hey, I'm going to get baptized in the Jordan River. And one of my very close friends said, said to me, why are you going to do that? And I really didn't have a good answer at the moment other than, it's the freaking Jordan River. 
Not a great theological reason, but that was the reason why I was going to get baptized. Uh, after That's Tim Hughes, the pastor at Grace Point. I like him more than Joe Hishma, so that's why I asked him to <laughs> baptize me. Okay, uh, anyway, um, actually, Joe joked, does my church know that I haven't been saved yet? And I was like, well, they have a pretty good hunch that I need Jesus, so yeah. Um, anyway, but I didn't have a really good reason until um, we began to really get on sabbatical and get on the trip. And so what happened for me was, um, by the time we got to my sabbatical, it was probably the most discouraged and empty I've ever been in my walk with Jesus. Now that may freak some of you out. You know, our pastor was on the edge of disaster. I, I, don't, I don't know if it was disaster, uh, but it was definitely a desert, right? And I can remember David Manor telling this story uh, one, one time when he was leading us in communion. And he was talking about his daughter, Jessa, and Jessa and Cullen, who just dedicated their kid. And he was talking about how when she went off to college, he was having one of those not very good days. And if you're a father of a daughter, you, you know the day that I'm talking about when she's not home. She's not there. And David said he stepped into Jessa's room and just stepped into the memories. All of the memories. The good the not so good, the funny, the not so funny. And he said he stepped into that place and it became one of those holy moments for him that yeah, there was some tears shed, but it was, it was good and it was healing. And it allowed him to step into the memory. And that, that's what communion should, have, should be for us. And that, that's what communion was for the early church goers. They were stepping into the memory of having experienced Jesus' death and resurrection for them, to step into that memory, to step into that place. It's a holy place. And so for me, I got to that point to where baptism, so many times we, and this is true, baptism is a great marker for those who are starting their faith to remind them of what Jesus is going to do in their life, that he is going to crucify the old you that's gonna be buried and consumed. And there's gonna be a new you that raises up and you're gonna not stay in the water, but you're gonna walk with Jesus and you're gonna follow him out of the water, right? It's a beautiful symbol. And, and, we, and we use this particularly with new Christ followers to remind them this is what Jesus is doing, will do, and will continue to do in your walk. But for me, I needed that reminder as a 52-year-old Christ follower. I needed to step into that memory to go, I think I know I need Jesus's grace more now than I did when I started following him. <laughs> I need his grace now more than I needed him then. I needed to remind myself that that decision to die to self and to be resurrected as a new person and that his mercies are new every day. I needed that, I needed to step into that memory. And so that is what we did. And that's why we chose, why I chose to be baptized again. Now for you, if that, if that hits a nerve with you, if that's something that you kind of like, oh, I need to kind of walk down that road. I'm not, and I'm not saying everybody needs to do that. That's not what I'm saying. We're gonna do this. We're gonna have a baptism service on November 13th. And uh, we've got four or five folks that are gonna be baptized already. 
But you may be in that same spot of where you go, you know what, I need to step into the memory. <laughs> we can do that here. It's not the Jordan River. But hopefully there's something about that. If you want to do that, we'd love to do that with you. And you can shoot me an email uh, or, or let me know through the church app. Let me know and we'll do that. Powerful moment for me anyway. Um, cool. God moments all along the journey. We got time for a couple of questions, Cullen. So what, what have you got? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I had many experiences with nuns and uh, monks on this trip. And so I, I learned two things, that A, most of them do not have a sense of humor. Uh, they do not appreciate sarcasm. And two, I will never be one. <laughs> so I don't feel like I have to go any further than that <laughs> because God's grace is for me today. That's fair, that's fair. Uh, what would be some research that you would recommend uh, to someone prior to making this trip in the future? Yeah, I'm going to bring a resource. I'm going to reference a resource next week because um, I can't remember it off the top of my head. But uh, there's a little travel guide that a guy wrote um, that kind of walked us through some of the history stuff. And that was way more helpful than the seminary books and the history books that I spent years studying. So that, so I'm, I'm gonna bring that next week and do not read the history of Israel by Bright. That will just, yeah, that, don't do that one. But I will bring a resource next week. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, this is a short question. Did you feel safe traveling there? Mostly. Uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about this uh, in the upcoming weeks, uh, particularly when we get to Jerusalem. We felt pretty safe traveling everywhere, uh, particularly in the countryside because it's country folk and they just, they just, and we were Americans. So as long as we were in Israel, we were great because we're their only allies. So we were like, yeah. <laughs> uh, when, when we entered Bethlehem uh, and when we entered, uh, Bethlehem was really the only place where if I never went back to Bethlehem, I'd be okay. Uh, Bethlehem is located in the West Bank. It is a Palestine city. And um, I, I'm, I told Amy when we were there, please don't get hit by a bus because I'm not sure they would stop if something happened. I mean, they just, they just had a feel of they... they mm. But now in Jerusalem, it, we, we felt very safe just walking around in any other big city. So it was, we felt very, very safe traveling. Bethlehem was the only place where I got the little heebie-jeebies a little bit. And I was like, eh, okay. Visit the church in the nativity and let's go. So... Cool. Yeah, we can end with this one. Um, so the last two weeks you've mentioned the Jordan River. And so um, somebody asked a question going back to another Old Testament passage. Um, so when Elijah crossed the Jordan River um, on dry land, uh, it said it was about 15 feet wide. And so their question was, if it wasn't that wide of a river to begin with, why did they have to cross on dry land as opposed to just walking through the water? Uh, great question. Uh, we're going to kind of we're going to correct a couple. Of, it wasn't Elijah. Uh, it was Joshua. So that's kind of important to the story, because this is coming right after that first generation that God let wander in the desert after Moses. So that's 
that's, that's kind of key to the story here. Uh, the second thing is, is that um, that was thousands of years ago, so they didn't have near the farming and development that they have now. So the Jordan River was probably a little bit wider um, and it was during flood stage. So you, you'd have a pretty wide river with current. So, you know, you're not talking about modern transportation. Uh, you camels and horses and foot, and that, that could have been pretty, pretty treacherous to, to cross a very fast moving river that's, you know, 60, 70 feet wide. The significance of them crossing on dry land, though, is directly tied to the story of Moses. And the reason that they wanted Jesus or God wanted them to do this was to remind them of the story of God's presence and God's purpose for them as his people. Um, and with Moses, he had them cross dry land as they were being pushed by the Egyptian army towards the promised land. And it was their, it was an anchor for them to go, yeah, God is with us. And so as they entered into the new promised land and they were about to take the promised land, to become the new nation, God gives them a similar symbol to them. Or the waters are gonna part and you're gonna walk on dry land and they actually build an altar in the, in the river. So that, that's the significance of that in, in Joshua. It's, it's stepping into the memory. It's that same process of step into the memory, step into this place of remembrance of remembering God's presence with you. This is why you have all these festivals and all this stuff on the Jewish calendar. It's that process of stepping into these places to to bring us face to face with a God who loves us. So great questions. Well, listen, I'm gonna pray for us and do our blessing. Uh, my hope for us during this whole process is two things. One is, is that we'll get a bigger picture, a grander um, idea of God's big picture. Like we have, we'll get a handle on God's epic story that he's telling in scripture. That's one story about God's redemption of humanity. And the second thing is along the way, we have these aha moments. We have these little nuggets. We have these little... We have these little God moments where God kind of punches through the noise and speaks to something in our heart, right? So that's my hope for this series. If you'll stand with me, uh, we're gonna do our blessing. In Christ, you go nowhere alone. Wherever you go, God is there. And wherever you are, God can work through you. He gives purpose to you being there. Christ who dwells in you has something to do through you where you are. Believe this and go in his grace, love, and power. Go be the church.